I want to take a moment and have a real heart-to-heart with you. If you're able, place your hand over your heart right now. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a pre-born baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. We've partnered with Preborn because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's network of clinics rescues 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter that doubles a baby's chances at life. By six weeks, eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a little baby is able to suck his or her thumb. For just $28, you can be the difference between the life or death of a child. And if you're a business owner, perhaps you can consider a larger donation for a write-off because we know the government isn't working on saving babies. A donation of 1000 2000 20000 All gifts are tax-deductible and will reach eternity. Get involved today to donate just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby that's pound 250 say the keyword baby or donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict that's preborn.com slash verdict when you have health insurance it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs that can be a lot of money But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million dollars. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Welcome. It is Verdict with Ted Cruz, Ben Ferguson with you. And this is a bonus episode uh, of Verdict. Senator, I appreciate uh, you taking the time. You just landed. And this obviously is uh, news that is rocking the country. The Attorney General, Merrick Garland, someone that you've called uh, for there should be investigated and and should uh, be impeached for the job that he has done in your new book. Uh, He has now come out, made an announcement, making it clear that he is going to war uh, with Donald Trump and trying to make it where he wouldn't even be able to be the president ever again. He said this earlier. Based on recent developments, including the former president's announcement that he is a candidate for president in the next election and the sitting president's stated intention to be a candidate as well, I have concluded that it is in the public interest to appoint a special counsel. Such an an appointment underscores the department's commitment to both independence and accountability in particularly sensitive matters. It also allows prosecutors and agents to continue their work expeditiously and to make decisions indisputably guided only by the facts and the law. The special counsel will conduct parts of the first investigation I just mentioned. The investigation into whether any person or entity unlawfully interfered with the transfer of power following the 2020 presidential election or with the certification of the Electoral College vote held on or about January 6. Senator, you tweeted about this earlier, and it's just two days after the president announced that he's going to run for a third time. 
and this is how they respond to his that decision. Your thoughts? Well, we predicted on verdict uh, weeks ago that the Department of Justice was going to indict Donald Trump, that Joe Biden wants them to indict Donald Trump, that Merrick Garland wants to indict Donald Trump. This is part and parcel with the whole-scale politicization of the Department of Justice and the FBI and law enforcement under first Barack Obama and now even more blatantly under Joe Biden. And appointing a special counsel is window dressing. It is designed for Merrick Garland to say, oh, who, me? Gosh, no, I, I have nothing to say about it. It's, it's the special counsel that's doing the indictment. And you remember when we, when we said this was when DOJ leaked the news that they intended to indict Hunter Biden. That was, and we've talked at some length about it, I believe they're deliberately focusing on the personal aspects of Hunter Biden, his substance abuse and tax issues, rather than the, the official corruption that directly implicates Joe Biden. But the other reason they leaked their intentions about Hunter Biden was to set the stage for this, for them going after Donald J. Trump directly and to say, gosh, look how even-handed we are. We're indicting a Biden, we're indicting a Trump. We're just right in the middle of the road. This, this is politics. It is an abuse of power, and it is wrong. Senator, this is, and I think one of the, the points here that should be brought up is this is exactly what you talked about and went into such great detail in your book. And this is the reason why I would tell you, if you haven't bought your book yet, do it. I've read the book, and it's like, oh, wow, this is how rogue this administration has gone. Not only have they tried to overthrow the will of the people in the 2016 elections, they tried to undermine the president the entire time he's here. They knew that they were hiding information that would vindicate Donald Trump from any connection to Russia. They knew uh, that the dossier was paid for by the Democrat National Committee, and they knew that it was paid for by Hillary Clinton's campaign. And they knew that that information, which they had categorized as clearly being, as they described it, uh, user-created, meaning the people that brought it to them created it out of thin air, they waited and sat and watched as the president of the United States of America was in an impeachment trial over information, they could have walked out and said, none of this is real. And now they're saying, basically, we didn't get you last time. It's almost like double jeopardy from the DOJ. Well, look, that's exactly right. This is precisely what my brand new book talks about. The book is Justice Corrupted, how the left has weaponized the legal system. And it, and it walks the reader through how Barack Obama turned the Department of Justice and the IRS and the FBI into his political enforcement squad. It then walks the reader through how those hard partisans burrowed into senior career positions and waged war on the president of the United States, Donald Trump, in a way that has never happened in our nation's history. And then it walks the reader through how under Joe Biden it is fully metastasized, where Merrick Garland is the most political attorney general our country has ever seen, whether it is the FBI raiding Mar-a-Lago, the home of a former president, never happened before in our nation's history, whether it is the FBI targeting parents who speak up at school boards and treating them as domestic terrorists, whether it is the FBI raiding the homes of pro-life activists with machine guns drawn. All of this is an extension of the view that the FBI and the Department of Justice are now 
partisan weapons to be deployed by the Democrats. And their intention is to indict Donald Trump because they hate him. This is Trump derangement syndrome, but this time with a gun and a badge. Let me me ask this. What what does the definition of success look like for Democrats and the DOJ? I'm not even sure it's get get anything where he's guilty. Is it just getting an indictment of Donald Trump? Explain the politics of this. We have two years until the, the, the presidential elections. What do they need to do and accomplish at the minimum to to basically derail a candidate's ability to run a successful campaign for the presidency? And I, you notice I asked you that question without Donald Trump's name involved, because if they can do it to Donald Trump, they could do it to basically anybody that's on the Republican side that decides to run. If this is a game plan of how to make it where you're the candidate we don't like and we're going to come after you and then we'll make you basically ineligible. Well, and and in the book, Justice Corrupted, I walk through how they did this to Ted Stevens, who was then the longest serving senator, Republican senator from Alaska, and they indicted him right before the election. And it ended up causing him to be defeated. It cost him his seat. And afterwards, I walk through all of the prosecutorial misconduct. It's one of the greatest abuses of power. And, and that was carried out for political purposes. They want to do the same playbook here. And to indict someone, what it means legally to indict someone is to bring formal charges. And so a grand jury uh, votes out an indictment. Now, the grand jury doesn't get to hear from the defendant. The grand jury doesn't get to hear the other side of the argument. It's the prosecutor bringing witnesses and putting evidence before the grand jury. There's an old line that a prosecutor can indict a ham sandwich. And there's a lot of truth to that. There's enormous power that a prosecutor has, and it's why it is so dangerous when it is weaponized like this, when it is used as a tool of political retribution. And I believe their intention is to get an indictment, uh, I think likely in the District of Columbia, because they know the jury pool is so skewed Democrat that they don't believe Trump can get a fair shake there, which is what they want. And then I think they want to try to prosecute him. They they want to try to convict Trump. These guys are zealots, and they have behaved as zealots from the very first day they took the oath of office. Do they fast-track this then? I mean, is that the goal here, the the holy grail for them, is you fast-track an indictment you then get him where you can put this up basically on trial. If you can find him guilty of any of these charges in the District of Columbia, is he then ineligible to be president of the United States of America at that point? No, I don't think that's going to happen. They're, they may have dreams of legally barring him from running, but that ain't going to happen. I, I think the chances of that are minuscule. But what their plan is, listen, we've seen them run this playbook before. Uh, They did it when Trump was president with not one, but two impeachment trials that were designed just to drag Trump through the mud, to beat up on him day after day after day. And they did that uh, in in because they were waging a political campaign. We've seen it the last two years with the January 6th kangaroo committee in the House that was a, a partisan presentation. It's not a congressional committee. A congressional committee 
has both sides represented. In this instance, Nancy Pelosi refused to let the Republicans appoint their members. She she wanted to not have anyone who, who would be supportive of Trump on the committee. And so she put together what was essentially a giant campaign commercial. Now, the January 6th committee is going away because Republicans have retaken the House. So apparently Merrick Garland and the Department of Justice are stepping forward saying, okay, we got this. It's our turn now to, after the indictment, have a daily drip of leaks, which DOJ isn't supposed to be leaking, and an effort, you know, they, the White House, the Department of Justice, the partisans at the FBI, they hate Donald Trump, and and, and they just, they see red when they see him, and the lengths they're willing to go is wrong. And I got to tell you, Ben, I hear from FBI agents all the time who are horrified at what is happening to the FBI. I hear from prosecutors at DOJ repeatedly who are horrified as what is happening to DOJ. This is not the line prosecutors. This is not the, the line FBI agents. This is the political brass and the senior career officials where they've allowed partisans to burrow in and use it as, as a political weapon. And, and mark my words. The reason a special prosecutor was appointed was they intend to indict Donald Trump. That's the takeaway from the news that came out yesterday. Two last two questions for you left as we do this special uh, uh, bonus pod because of the news of today. Uh, Senator, let's go back to 2016. Merrick Garland was nominated to the Supreme Court by then President Barack Obama in March of 2016. The Senate never voted on his nomination. How much of this could be the motivation of just pure revenge for Garland because he, he, he is angry and upset that he's not on the Supreme Court of the United States of America? Do you think that's playing into some of this where it's just straight up revenge for Donald Trump winning that election and, and Republicans, this is payback for not giving him a vote that he wanted? Yeah, look, it, it's hard to imagine that that's not a significant factor. Um, many of the Senate Democrats still seethe uh, at the fact that the Senate Republican majority followed the voters' wishes and said, we've been given a majority, and when there's a vacancy that occurs in a presidential election year, a Senate of an opposing party doesn't fill that vacancy, and that goes back many, many decades. The voters gave Republicans a majority in 2014 in the Senate, and one of the big things that we campaigned on was stopping radical left-wing judges. But Merrick Garland, Democrat senators, the White House, they all resent that furiously. And, you know, look, it's worth pointing out. So sometimes with, with a special counsel, you see someone that they're trying to get some credibility for. So, they, so you sometimes see a special counsel that is of the opposing political party to say, well, gosh, you know, this is a prominent Republican we're going to use. What is interesting about this fellow, the, 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 the fellow that Merrick Garland named is a, is, a, is a guy named Jack Smith. I don't know him. I'm not familiar with him. So we just have the, the news that is percolating out uh, in the opening hours. But he's someone who was a career prosecutor for a long time. He was a prosecutor at The Hague prosecuting war crimes. But I can tell you this, the folks at DOJ 
they know his politics. 100% they know his politics. One of the things that I walk through in, in the book Justice Corrupted is how with the Lois Lerner scandal, you remember under Barack Obama, the IRS was targeting conservatives, targeting Tea Party activists, targeting pro-Israel activists, targeting pro-life activists. And when the news broke, it was a huge scandal, so much so that Barack Obama gave a, a, a news conference from the White House where he said, I am angry and the American people have a right to be angry. He understood just how bad it was to politicize the IRS and law enforcement. And what ended up happening is the prosecutor they put in charge of this at DOJ was a major Democrat donor who'd given over $6,000 to Barack Obama and to the DNC. And wonder of wonders, that major Democrat donor refused to bring charges. And DOJ then stonewalled Congress. Lois Lerner refused to testify. She pleaded the fifth. She was held in contempt of Congress. And the Department of Justice refused to prosecute her. And, and, and it, it blockaded any effort to hold her accountable. Merrick Garland knows exactly what he is doing in, in appointing this prosecutor. Uh, and the news media, which sadly today is, is thoroughly corrupt, will try to pitch him as a nonpartisan, given every other behavior from, from this attorney general. I think the chances that this prosecutor does not loathe Donald Trump are essentially zero. Lastly, uh, and we're going to be doing a video podcast. We're going to break down this this story a lot more. So get ready for that this coming week on Monday. We'll have that for you. Plus, we'll have the audio. So make sure you subscribe and download uh, Verdict with Ted Cruz. It is free. You hit that subscribe or auto download button and you'll get the episodes each and every day. But lastly, put this in perspective in a historical context center uh, of just how radical what we are witnessing now is comparing it to other countries. This is, a, I, I, I truly believe, a sad day for this nation. It was a sad day and a slippery slope when the president's home was raided at Mar-a-Lago. The fact that a former president's home would be raided, uh, it was a day where I was worried that we would never come back from it. Now watching what's happened, then moving forward, trying to take out the president, put him in handcuffs, convict him, put him in jail, uh, how concerned are you about just the in, this nation in general? Because this is something we've never seen in this country, and now the Democrats are actively doing it in a revenge mode. Yeah, look, that, that, that's exactly right. We have had 46 presidents in our nation's history. No president has ever tried to do this. We've had presidents switch from one party to the other. And listen, you see in banana republics, you see in tin pot dictatorships, when one party takes control of the government, they go after their predecessors, they prosecute them, they lock them up and put them in jail. And, and that, sadly, in places where rule of law is not uh, respected, uh, that's fairly typical of abusive and tyrannical governments. The United States has never, ever, ever done that until now, until Joe Biden and this politicized Department of Justice. They hate Trump so much, and they are so self-righteous and sure of their own, own partisan position. They also know, because the corporate media has been so corrupted, that the media will not hold them to account, that they could abuse 
the Department of Justice and the FBI and, and not expect any meaningful scrutiny. That is incredibly dangerous, but it is where we are today. It's incredible. We're going to have, like I said, another pod, uh, an extended, you know, normal length one on Monday for you. That will also be with video, so you can watch that on YouTube. Uh, Senator, thanks for taking the time tonight. I know you've had a busy schedule day, but I, and I know you want to talk to the people, let them know exactly what you thought about this, because this is going to be a very big topic of conversation and a sad moment, I think, in American history. And we will see all of you guys back here on Monday. Don't forget, share this podcast wherever you're listening to it right now. Text it to your family and friends. Write us a five-star review for the podcast so we reach more conservatives. And we'll see you back here on Monday morning. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.